Welcome to Apocalypse Duds. I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And today, our guest is self-proclaimed foodie, clothing connoisseur, customer success guru, the titan of thrifting, the vintage vampire. Please welcome friend of the show, Brian Cardenas. First what off, an introduction, man. <laughs> we, we pride ourselves, we pride ourselves in the intros. Yeah, we pride ourselves <laughs> in the intros. So first off, what are you wearing today? Top to bottom uh, or vice versa? Whatever order you prefer. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, right now, as I was telling you guys earlier today, I had a pretty rough day, so my outfit right now for working from home is pretty basic. I'm wearing some shorts, I'm wearing a basic uh, white t-shirt, and some new Jordans that I got. Uh, oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. I saw the picture. <laughs> yeah, I posted it in Instagram. He has it a really like impressive a microphone also. Yeah, Connor, it's a comfortable say, at-home fit. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. it's all good. I said he has he, he has a very impressive microphone. Oh, yeah. He oh. Does. <laughs> yeah, I would assume that no. probably has something to do with your day job, Ryan. Yeah, that was what I was about to say, because I have to really have a lot of great audio because I'm on meetings most of the day. Uh, so I really need to get my, like, my message out there very clear with the clients and, and with my team. So it was a gift from the company. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, very good. Very even good. better. Yeah. So what do you do, Brian? Yeah. Uh, I work in customer success right now. I'm the uh, a customer success manager, if you will. Um, I work with a lot of clients uh, based in all over the world, right? And basically, my job is to really retain those customers and and to grow their portfolio within the company. And also, uh, I have a side hustle right now that you guys are are having the premise is that I'm opening up a company with my uh, fiance for pets. So yeah, so we're, we're targeting the market, uh, the market right now for pets in Mexico because we saw that there's a lot of opportunity out there because there's a lot of retail stores, but not really like design, uh, focus on design. So we're basically targeting that. We're hoping to launch in November. So you guys will 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 hear about me. Oh hell yeah, Whoa. that's awesome. And so yeah, you're you're based soon. in Mexico. I'm based in Mexico City. I've been living here for six months now, I believe. I moved in in, in March. Uh, before that, I was living in uh, Merida, Yucatan, which is like three hours away from, from Tulum for, for a more mm-hmm. basic reference. Yeah, so I was living in the Caribbean, and I lived there for seven years. Uh, so the move was, was a big move for me. Uh, I think my friends and I laugh because uh, we – always say that we never imagined that I will move uh, from the Caribbean. And they were like, well, now you fell in love and things change. And, and now you're living in this big city and here I am. Hell yeah. If there is yeah. a place to go from the Caribbean, Mexico City is a worthy place to go, certainly. Oh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. I never imagined myself moving. Like the first time that I moved there, I fell in love immediately. And it was great because at the time, I mean, I was single and I was just starting like my work life and I always like have remote jobs. Like I'm proud to say that I've never stopped. I never stepped foot in an office. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, so, lucky, so lucky. yeah, 
it, it was great because I I got to know the city so well, and I got to meet a lot of people that I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't an office. So the entire like experience of living there by myself in a different city in the Caribbean with so many gorgeous uh, beaches out there and so many things to do, it, it was an incredible seven year experience for me. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Uh, so are you from uh, a different part of Mexico originally? Yeah, I'm originally from Veracruz, which is a small town in the north. Mm-hmm. It's in the coast as well, but more up north. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Man, that, that sounds like a really uh, enjoyable you know, path that you've taken, like moving from a tiny town to the Caribbean to Mex- now Mexico City. Yeah, and and it, it has been like really like eye opening in a way because I mean I'm as I was telling from a small town and then I live in and the Caribbean which is not really such that like that big of a city and right now like living in a huge city like one of the uh, largest cities in the world it has it has been a it, honestly it has been a ride. <laughs> That is very funny. That is one of the questions. And I was going to say, what is it like living in one of the biggest cities on earth? I have been to New York many times. You never really get a sense of it. I have been to Mexico City a few times. You can't conceive it. You can't comprehend it. It is monstrous. Right. And how is it like to live in one of the biggest cities? Is this scary? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is scary. It is scary. I, I, I was, uh, I used to be a, a social person. Like what I mean by that is I used to go out a lot to coffee shops. And Connor, you've been following me for a long time. And mm. you've seen that I'm always like in a new places. And I'm always uh, going to new coffee shops, going thrifting, et cetera, et cetera. And right now I have stopped like doing that as much as I was doing it back then, because it is scary. Like, and there's a lot of traffic as well. I'm not getting used to the traffic as fast as I thought I would <laughs> be getting used to it. Because uh, from where I live to maybe like a cool trip shop or like the cool uh, uh, part of the city, it's like a two and a half hour drive. So oh, wow. my, imagine my that. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's really crazy. Yeah, and there's that like the transportation, like you can take uh, the subway or like you can take like the bus, whatever. But I still like coming from someone who has always lived in a small uh, cities, like living in this big city. Even though I enjoy the adventure, uh, I always have that fear of getting lost or like not to talk shit about like Mexico, but like we're getting robbed, you know. So I'm just like very cautious. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so to the meat of the show, when did you first know that you were interested in clothing or style? Oh, this is such a, a good question. When ever since I like ever since I'm aware that I like clothes, when was that? I think it was probably at four or five years old. Uh here, mm-hmm. here's around the fact. Um, I grew up with a single mom, uh, and my mom is addicted to shoes. So, oh. therefore, she is addicted to clothes. So, mm-hmm. growing up, I, I have like that example, like that tangible and living example of clothing and just like putting up outfits and maybe buying his shoes, buying a staple shoes, or buying like a staple piece uh, in your wardrobe that will be 
timeless, you know, or that maybe that like statement piece that you can wear with a um, really with a casual outfit and just like to have that spark in your fit. You know, I I had that that example when I was growing up and I think I have developed a lot of love for for clothes and, and for different styles even. Yeah, it seems like your style is pretty eclectic and eccentric, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it has a broad range and, you know, kind of you mentioning Jordans, like it, were sneakers kind of one of those things that you were into as a kid that helped you develop? Um, or, or how, you know, how did you develop your, your kind of taste and style? Yeah, funny, funny enough, like, when when it comes to sneakers, like I've never was like a sneakerhead when I was growing up. I mean, I used to look at Jordans and I used to look like at this trendy sneakers or, or timeless sneakers that there there is out there. And one, like they're super expensive here in Mexico. I'm still mm-hmm. thankful that I can't afford them right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but grow, growing up, it was just like one in them, but not really being able to afford them. So I would just like no shame. I would just like get the dupe or or, or like something similar <laughs> just to have that, that feeling of, of, of style and in a way it really helped me because i had like the vision you know and now that i'm like able to afford them i know that they look great because i already envisioned myself with them and i already experienced and 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 put them and, and wear them you know right yeah so did you since you you know couldn't really afford things growing up is that kind of where you're thrifting uh interest came from as well yeah yeah i think like the interest in fashion was always there uh not being able to afford the things that i wanted maybe i don't know like to say something a jacket from prada or maybe some even levi's levi's are super expensive here and i was like Mm -hmm. okay maybe i can find like a pair of levi's and but thrifted you know brand new they were they were super expensive yeah what just out of curiosity, what is the like the U.S. dollar cost for a pair of Levi's in Mexico? For a pair, a pair of Levi's, for five hundred ones, for five hundred ones, I think they range from one hundred and fifty-five to two hundred dollars. Holy shit! Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're really expensive. Yeah, so so Jordans, like what? As Connor was was wondering about, like I would imagine at least double that. Uh, they're like the range. I think it's from three hundred dollars to four hundred, or even more. Good grief! All right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's outrageous. So, in the same vein, how have you noticed trends spreading from America to Mexico and vice versa? Since we share a border, we have that proximity. We have a lot of things culturally aligned. I would say as well. Right, that's such a good question. I think I've experienced and I still experience like trends in a in a different way. Because I mean, here in Mexico, you really it is not really like a black and white when it comes to trends and when it comes to clothes. Like you really get to see like people with maybe uh, that they're 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 like cannot afford clothes and they're trying to you know jump into the trend. Or maybe you see people that really don't have any taste and they. Just follow <laughs> the trends that there is. <laughs> An example that I have is the sock, like the sock shoe from Balenciaga, because all the like mm-hmm. the wealthy people here will wear them and they look like 
atrocious and, and all of those people, but you know, they were following they were following the trend and, and the same with Gucci and all branded stuff. Uh, <laughs> and then you see like a more niche uh, kind of like fashion people here, which I think I consider myself in that like niche uh, people, uh, fashion people here. Why? Because that's the people who like they include the trends in their day-to-day and they uh, experiment with a lot of different styles. But at the same time, they don't lose their essence, which I think is very important when, when with all these trends, you know, because I've seen people just like wear tracksuits and, and, and wear just like all kinds of things that is like trendy on TikTok or maybe trendy on Instagram back in the day. I remember 2018, it was when I realized how much of an impact the U.S. had in Mexico when I don't know if you guys like live this time in, in the internet with me or you were like doing other things, but uh, per se, Jeffree Star, when Jeffree Star was booming in, in, in 2018 and they have uh, wear all the track suits and, you know, like people here will wear that because of, of that style, you know, Interesting. Or, or the Gucci slides uh, even, you know, right, <laughs> so right. I, I <laughs> so I recall that era a lot because it, it was it was when I realized how much of an impact it had. Yeah. So uh, kind of like uh, on the cusp of that, um, you know, has social media re- and, you know, things like uh, gentrification and just kind of an op- more open world as far as fashion goes, like, has that have you noticed that that impacts um, kind of the scenes and things around you, like over the years. In a way, in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it it's one of those things. Like you mentioned, a very specific kind of point in 2018, um, and as you've you know now moved to a bigger area, like I, I didn't know if uh, if that kind of that kind of like influence had had been something you registered really well i think like living here now i feel more free of wearing things that i wouldn't wear oh interesting yeah in the caribbean and one of the biggest uh reasons as to why is because of the weather i was i was talking to connor about this a few days ago and uh like the, the weather here in Mexico City is kind of like California. Like if you're in the shade, it's, it's like chilly, but the sun like hits really hard during the day and at night it's really cold. Okay. So you really get to wear a lot of outfits uh, and not really <laughs> like close yourself to just one style. Yeah, totally. Um, so sick. It's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. As I was doing when I was living in the Caribbean because it's so freaking hot that I will just wear like uh, linen and I will, I will wear like denim, but really light denim and, and t-shirts and a lot of sandals and a lot of just like fresh shoes as we call them here. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. amazing how, like you said, what Mexico city is three and a half hours from where you were, but like there's that drastic of a difference in climate, which negates yeah. like, you being able to, you know, wear a lot a lot uh, wider of a range of things. Right. And right now I think I feel more free uh, because I get to wear a lot of things, uh, as I was saying. Uh, For example, like I 
I'm very big on wearing jackets and wearing like sweaters and hoodies and all of that because I like to layer up my outfits. So oh, totally. for me to be able to do that, it's just incredible because that way uh, I love to take IG pics. We all know that. Oh, of course. <laughs> so of course. it really gives me a lot of room to uh, take a lot of pictures. It's like, okay, maybe if I take a picture at 6 p.m., I can just like wear the entire like layer outfit. But if I go out like before that, I can just wear like my jeans or whatever uh, bottoms I'm wearing and, and my t-shirt or uh, the shirt that I'm wearing and, and the shoes or, or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It just got more content. Yeah. That, that so sounds like a much more enjoyable existence. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, you are a big poster. And I I followed you. Uh, we met through Throwing Fits. Um, and I look at your posts and I am envious of basically <laughs> every part of it. The architecture, the clothing the food most especially the food which i think we would really be remiss to not talk about food and do you think there is a connection between food and clothing i think there is and i'm gonna tell you what is uh specifically where it's i think the composition uh if you see my instagram i i cook a lot yeah i do but all of the dishes that I post, like the composition and, and even like the ambience of the restaurant, it impacts how I like what I wear. If I look for the restaurant before going there, I try to like wear an outfit that will match the aesthetic and that will match like kind of like the type of food that they're selling. Let's say that if I go to an Indian restaurant, I'm going to try to uh, wear bright colors and uh, have something with a uh, neutral color. Or if I go to a Mexican restaurant, I, I wear a lot of uh, reds. I wear a lot of uh, blue. I wear a lot of green, you know? So that kind of thing, I think for me, it's the connection, the connection that it has. Oh, yeah, that's a really yeah, interesting absolutely. way to think about it. So yeah. I was wondering, I was wondering also, does your subject change the way that you compose and you edit photos? I mean, obviously you're going to want to edit a photo of food differently from the, the way that you would of you standing outside, like in scenery, but I'm wondering how much, how much your uh, composition changes as you change subjects. I love that. Um, uh, one, one random fact again is I don't edit my photos like at all. Like they're all posted as I took them. So what I try to do is that the same colors that I'm wearing and the same colors that are like the food composition have, that's what I try to like mix in my feed. It's like, okay, maybe I took this picture of the sushi like two months ago, but now I can post it because I have <laughs> uh, <laughs> something that I can pair it with. <laughs> Yeah, I have over, so over 35,000 35, pictures in my phone. Wow. Oh, you wow. know, see, I thought I had a lot because I have like 70 gigabytes of photos on my phone because I have pictures from <laughs> all the way going back to middle school. Um, right. But 
you are in the same league as me and you are much better photographer than I am. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. But I must say you have better things to take photos of. (laughs) No. And the thing is, Connor, I mean, again, like going back to my, to my roots, like going back to my, to my hometown. uh, I think I learn. Uh, to really see the small things and, and to see beauty in small things. What do I mean by that? I mean, my, my hometown is not pretty at all. It's not aesthetic. It's not, it's just a hometown, like, you know, <laughs> it's just a small town in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, so but I have, have you been taking really pictures like since you were, go over you know, what, kid, I, what essentially, I knew or... at the time and, and see the beauty in things that maybe people were not looking at. And, and that helped me a lot. Because that helped me to be uh, aware of my surroundings, and that helped me to really appreciate the little and the small things that there is to enjoy. So, did you start taking pictures when you were, you know, when you were younger in your hometown because of these kind of things? Yeah, but not, but not really pictures of my outfits or, or pictures of food. I don't know if you know this, Connor. I think I never told you this. Um, I used to be a bookstagrammer when I was growing up, like circa 2014 until 2017, 2018. Do you guys know what, what a bookstagrammer is? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think I might, but go and explain, please. Well, there's back in the day, there was a small community on Instagram that will take like artsy pictures and, and of their books and, and share like reviews or even like open a discussion in the comments when Instagram was fun, you know? Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Back way yeah, back in the day, back in the day, man. Uh, and we had a community there and obviously, I mean, I wanted to really be taking the same pictures as anyone else, maybe in California or maybe like in Oregon where they have like, beautiful like woods and you know and i didn't have any of that so i had to get creative i used to buy a lot of props (laughs) at the dollar store and i used to go like yeah and i used to go to like coffee shops there that were not really as nice as the ones that i visit (laughs) like right now but i i made it work like the composition and, and the things that were in, maybe in the coffee shop, I will just like pull up a chair and, and put it where I was standing and I will just like stand in the chair. So the take was higher, that kind of thing. <laughs> and like, funny enough, I grew a following there, like a massive following. I had over 135,000 followers. Oh my God. When I, yeah, when I closed my account, in 2019 um i closed it because honestly like i was so sad i was used to like some type of engagement we all know like when when instagram was fun like the engagement was nice i was not really there for the likes or for the recognition i was there for the community and i think that was taken. yeah and i think that was taken away from me with the algorithm and all of that so it it just like it took all the fun uh out of it so i really didn't want the account anymore because it represented a, a, like a year or, or uh, really like an era that I had so much fun and I met incredible people that I still talk to till this day. 
but the fun was not there anymore. So it was just a representation of it. And it got me sad, like every time that I would log in. <laughs> so I deleted the account. Uh, but back in the day, I remember one big thing that, that I did is that I created a book club. And it was the first like virtual book club on Instagram. And it got so big because I got like some big names within the community to join my book club. Uh, that Time Magazine uh, interviews in, in December 2015. Oh my so god! We have, yeah, we had a Time article about us. <laughs> that's wow. That's cool as hell, man. Uh, yeah, I, you're really, a, you know, you're really accomplished. How old are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm 24, and I and I was like 17, 16 years old at the time. That's crazy! Wow, dude, that's yeah. crazy. That's amazing. Good for right. you. And like. I've been on Instagram for, you know, a decade at this point or longer than a decade at this point since kind of the inception, but I can't imagine going from that to what it currently is and like experiencing this shift in real time. Right. And I think that like opened my eyes to see Instagram as a creative outlet, not really a place to look for recognition or, you know, you know, totally. And I enjoy it more because right now, like, even with my 900 followers, I know that there's people that do give a shit about what I post and that they enjoy the content that I post. Yeah, that's that, like, to me is the whole point of the app. And like, I mean, I sell stuff on it because I do vintage clothing. But at the same time, like, I made a ton of friends and like the the general just like support and um community building is so much more fun for me personally and it sounds like you kind of have the same idea about it yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah it's it's that's how matt and i met right yeah like i sold connor a piece of uh like 90s polo and we just started chatting here and there and like now we're fucking doing a podcast together like this is you know this is what the internet can bring or the, the good that the internet can bring to the world. Yeah. That, that's so nice that you guys met through Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's it, pretty funny. I mean, we talk all day, every day. Um, and I just like, we have never met, we have never met in real life. Right. And like, I mean, I, Brian, I'm a little bit older than, than you, but you know, like I've been on message boards in the internet, you know, meeting people for more than half my life at this point. And like, you know, it's, it's good. I don't know. It's nice to hear like other other people kind of see things that same way because I feel like right. a lot of people can get caught up in the bullshit and you're obviously not like you're just stoked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. That's true, though. And like I, I resonate with you, Matt, uh, when you talk like you've been in the Internet for so long because I have as well. I mean, I am 24 years old, but right. right. Yeah, I'm, you've got this crazy experience. My internet story you, began, when I, began when I was yeah began when I was like five years old. Like I have my right, MySpace exactly. account that was five years old. That's crazy. Yeah, you've never known. <laughs> yeah, it's like you've never known a pre like a pre internet world, um, which is sort of amazing in its own right. Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like you know things like this also you know it, it changes how you approach the world in general and like. You know, the the fact that, um, you know, the fact that there are younger people like you that have kind of been connected, like it's it's so much 
you know, so much better than even just like having a, a crew of friends at school and whatnot. Like it opens up the fucking world. Right. And I think like it has helped me to be more analytical in a way. Because, um, oh. yeah, because let's let's uh, say that when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see a post and it's like, I don't know, like a big account. And it says, like, others, instead of, like, the like count, I'm like, oh, shit, like, engagement is lacking here. Or, or maybe they're, like, going through some shit here because they're hiding the likes, you know? Because I've seen that pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've seen that pattern. And I have a lot of friends who are, like, influencers. And that's basically their job. So I asked them, uh, to quite a few of them, and they were like, well, at the end of the day, like, the the brands that we work with they don't really give a shit about the likes they do give a shit about the engagement but the people do give a shit about the likes right. and that makes the brand look bad you know yeah totally mm-hmm. so yeah yeah just a crazy fact that i wanted to share <laughs> <laughs> dude i i love how this took a, a very interesting turn because i wouldn't have <laughs> like we could have never mapped out having that conversation which is amazing and you that's know, the beauty yeah. of the show dude yeah exactly uh so so brian since you've been you know since you've been on the internet for a very long time and uh i'm i'm sure you do some secondhand shopping on there as well um you know what what kind of like is has been the scene that you've seen or that you've uh experienced with vintage and thrifting and secondhand stuff well, I think like I've been thrifting for a long time, right? So I've seen how thrifting has evolved and has maybe like jumped into some trends. And I mean, when I don't even know how to say it, like, you know, that there's the demand, but I right. think like right now, maybe here in Mexico, uh, the people who sell the clothes, like the sellers, they're like there you can see that they're not doing it like most of them they're not doing it for the love of thrifting and to give the, that piece or the, that specific piece like a second chance or a third or a fourth chance they're here for the money which don't get me wrong that that's great everyone has to be, make a living out of it but it, it it's absurd here in mexico it's like for example a shirt here you you can see a shirt like i don't know if it has history or whatnot uh, but even if it's not curated vintage or, or if it's just like normal thrifting, it's expensive. And I right. think that was not the case like three, four years ago oh, when wow. I used to go thrifting. So like that yeah. recent. Yeah, it's very that recent. Sounds like, that sounds like Baltimore, dude. I mean, that's the exact same, almost the exact same timeline. Like there, the Baltimore used to be lousy with thrift stores. It is a working class town. It's a place where yeah. a lot of people uh, do not have a lot of money. And now all of those stores are closed and a few of the stores that are still open, the prices are very high and they are like so picked through, it's not even worth going. No, and the timeline is the same because I have this like all study it. Uh, it is the same because we have two people with a massive following, right? That have impact in a lot of people around the globe. And we have Sean Waterspoon, who uh, opened uh, round two, and like the prices were ridiculous, you know. Right, yeah. um, so, so we have him, and and we have him and his collaboration with Nike that got him like in a very 
and in the spotlight in a way. So many people knew him, many like resellers or, or like uh, vintage sellers, like realized that there was this like market and that people were willing to pay like super high prices for, for pieces, mm-hmm. you know? And we have Emma Chamberlain, which I love her. I, I, I've loved her since 2017, 2018, but she used to thrift a lot. But not because she loved it. It was because she didn't have any money at the time. She was not as big as it is right now, collaborating with a lot of brands like Cartier and whatnot. And a lot of people who like watch her videos started thrifting. That created more demand. Therefore, the prices went up. You know. Right. So right. Emma Chamberlain here in Mexico is a huge like referent of, of that. Interesting. So it. Yeah, it, it's pretty much like even if you're going to like a true thrift store, you're paying, you know, maybe not vintage store prices necessarily, but you're not, you know, you're not finding things for a buck or two. You're finding things for, you know, probably like way more than you would expect them to be. Right, which is totally fine. I mean, when I go here in Mexico uh, City to curated vintage shops and, and the pieces have history and the people that are selling you those pieces know the history and, right. and they're like explaining it to you, then it's worth the price because oh, totally. you're getting such a good piece. But, but if you're like just buying a shirt for $500 and you don't even know if like it does have history or, or if it represents something and they're just like, oh, here's a... Harley Davidson shirt that I found that it said like Hawaii and, and I'm going to sell it to you for 500 bucks. It's like insane to me. Right. Yeah. Dude, same here. Um, I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been in the vintage clothing for a very long time and like, you know, I, I like I'm in Atlanta and we can't charge New York or LA prices or apparently right. Mexico city prices. Um, but you know, it like we try we try to curate things. We try to know history about it. And like some people care, some people don't, but um, it's just, you know, it, it's funny to hear this from other pockets of the world too, because it's the same damn thing happening everywhere. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and like a few, a few weeks ago, I think it was like two weeks ago, I went with my friends uh, thrifting to like creative vintage shops and we had a lot of like a lot of fun and I got a piece that I, I can like send a picture to Connor and then to you even uh, when we finish the show because it was worth it. Like it really was worth it. Like it was a leather and it was a bar city jacket, but it had leather. Um, Ooh. And yeah, and it was from the forties. So imagine that. How many Jesus. years that, that jacket has been alive, you know? And it was in perfect condition. Wow. So a perfect segue, which we have had many of this episode. What is your favorite piece? What is your favorite piece that you have ever had? Oh, man, I think it really, it really depends. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of t-shirts that I love uh, that I have, that I collected over the years. But I think my favorite piece is, oh, there's some boots that I have that I'll like, I'll rip. Uh, and I still wear them till this day. <laughs> and, and it's funny because my, my fiance, when she got me new boots, that they're like the exact same boots. And I'm like, no, I don't want to fuck them up. Like, <laughs> I, I, rather, <laughs> I, I rather just wear the boots that I have that I've been wearing for like <laughs> years. Dude, yeah. yeah. I, I feel it. Connor, <laughs> and I, 
Connor and I were actually having this exact conversation about my personal sneakers earlier today because I've been wearing some fucked up ones and uh, <laughs> I was like, they're just too perfect, man. Yeah, and you can never go wrong with a fuck up pair of sneakers. Like no, they, they add that touch to your to your outfit. Yeah, you, you put in the time to to know, you know destroy these things and make them comfortable, and now you're like, I can't give them up. Like even even if that is a sacrifice that I shouldn't be making, like I'm gonna make it. Yeah, and there's something special about them. Like they feel like a second skin to your oh, feet. Totally, totally, man. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that jacket the oldest thing that you have? The oldest the jacket thing that I have from the forties. Yeah, from the nineteen forties. Man, it sounds which so is cool. pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we definitely need to see pictures of it, which we will post on the Instagram. Yes. Um So, do you, is there something that you wear every single day? Like, I, I guess it's jewelry for me. Um, but do you have something that you wear all the time? Yeah, I wear it all the time. Like, I have a ring that it's like one of my favorite rings. I'm wearing it right now, uh, which is a silver ring that I bought in Colombia uh, when I visited earlier in the year. And before that, uh, one thing that I always wear is socks. Like, I love socks. <laughs> I didn't even think about that because I never wear socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you're bucking so, the menswear trend, Brian. You know, the, <laughs> the socked, socked over sockless. Yeah, dude, that's funny. You're truly, truly a rebel, which in our final question, final question that I have written down anyway, in a city of almost 9 million, how do you stand out without looking like you're trying too hard? Just like staying true to myself, uh, as I was telling earlier, like I do experiment with a lot of trends, but I think like the silhouette is what like, what really makes my style my style. It's like if I'm wearing a baggy pant or like a baggy jean, I'm going to wear like a tight t-shirt or, or maybe like a true to size t-shirt. Like I think the silhouette of the things that I wear is how I stand out. Because many people here, like you, uh, you really go out and see people with baggy fits or very like fitted fits you know so just like staying true to that silhouette that i wear and and to the things that i wear as accessories you know like my rings and i'm all tatted up so all of my tat all of my tattoos that i have on my sleeve um i think they're part of my fit when i go out so I, I'm the only one who has them, so that that's special, you know. That's how I stand out, and it's so funny because right now I was telling my fiance this last week because we went out right on a date, and I, I remember I, I told Connor that I was on a date, <laughs> and <laughs> I realized that we were walking in the street, and a lot of people will stare at my tattoos, like they will stare at my tattoos first, and then and then to my fit, and I was like, I am realizing that a lot of people. And then, like, recently have, like, have been staring at my tattoos, like, every time that I go out. Yeah, that's, that's funny, because, you know, you, you think at this point, like, tattoos are not even, not even something that I notice, even though, like, I've got tattoos, most of my friends do <laughs> as well. But, uh, ha you know, being a stylish person, and also being having a lot of ink it you know it kind of draws attention to yourself a little bit i guess 
Right. So since you've, you know, since you've kind of been interested in fashion for as long as you have and style and, and clothing, um, I, I would really, really wonder kind of your, your perception of, you know, just, just the kind of stylish people that you encounter on a day-to-day basis in Mexico city versus kind of like other major cities, uh, you know, that you've, that you've seen uh, around the world? Like what, what's the kind of like, I don't know, what's the things that you notice um, that are a little bit more specific to your location than elsewhere? Right. I think like from Mexico city, a lot of people take risks in their outfits. Uh, but let's say that when I was living in Toronto, cause I lived in Canada. Oh shit. Okay. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, come on. Yeah, we, we can't put this in. <laughs> yeah, dude. International international traveler. <laughs> international man of mystery. <laughs> and it, it's entirely different. And why? People there, like, they do take risks and they don't really give a shit what other people have to say. Like they their level of experimental is way different than what Mexico City will look like in 10 years. Why? Because people here are very, like, judgy in a way, you know? Okay. Even living in a big city, like, I think that limits a lot of people to get, like, fully creative and and in their fashion, you know? As to in a city like Toronto that really nobody gives a shit about how you look, they just appreciate the art and and how you curated your entire outfit and, and your style as a person. I think that's what I value most. Oh, that's from, from that, that experience. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting answer to the question because I didn't really know what what it was going to be. But uh, yeah, stoked, man. Yeah, Brian, you're a, you're a character, dude. You've got some you've got some <laughs> shit under your belt, apparently. Yeah, seriously, for being 24, that's a lot, man. Yeah, seriously, I, I've Dude. been 38, and I feel like you've lived way, way crazier <laughs> of a life than I ever could have imagined living. So, kudos to you, my friend. Man, those years have been a ride. Like, I, I moved out of my house when I was 16. So, oh damn, okay. I think I've had, I have plenty, plenty of time to do a lot of, a lot of things. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking awesome, man. Well, shit, if you, thank you, if you ever have an inkling to come to the south uh south u.s let me know because you can yeah for sure man i feel like you would in like atlanta is definitely an, an interesting place and like you know it's uh with what you're into like food and clothing and whatnot like it's a it's a hidden gem for sure yeah i totally have to pay a visit there hell yeah and you well, know yeah. you're coming to baltimore one of these days but i probably will go to mexico city first so <laughs> we Stay with me, man. Like I'll be your tourist guy, dude. Yeah, I've only been to Tijuana, which awesome. I feel like is not the best experience of being in Mexico. So I need to explore that also. No, man. If any of you want to come, or even like both of you want to come at the same time, like you have your house here, like yeah. whenever you want. All right. Uh, <laughs> poten- potential vacation for the apocalypse duds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. that'd be a cool that'd be a cool episode dude like to record an episode in mexico city like talking and or even a video you know like in, in, a, in a vintage shop like dude, that that could be fun be yeah all right we may have to and put this guess on the what, 2023 Matt, calendar we could, ex- we could expense it 
Oh, yeah. We write it off on true. our taxes. Sorry, it's a write-off. <laughs> well, Brian, man. It's a business expense. Yeah, yeah. Brian, it's been, it's been hella fun talking to you, dude. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing more of your uh, fits and your food pics and whatnot on Instagram. And you, you want to give yourself a shout-out if you want to maybe get some potential followers? Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me at D-R-Y-N Cardenas, which is C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. That's a hell of a name. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, like, Wrong I mean, you guys, you guys can, can see my tag in Apocalypse Dudes. So awesome. if you guys want to pay a follow, that, that'd be greatly appreciated. Um, and, and thank you for having me. Like, I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, um, dude. It's honoring that. It's always fun just like, you know, shooting the shit and getting to know people and just kind of seeing uh, seeing what they're into. So uh, we appreciate you coming on. I don't um, use the word en- enlightening a lot, but I think it was an enlightening interview. Agreed. I'm glad Agreed. to hear that, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. It was a pleasure, guys. Well, thank you, Brian. And uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Um, if you want to check us out on Instagram, it's at Apocalypse Duds. Uh, if you have any questions or, you know, thoughts at apocalypse or, uh, sorry, apocalypse duds at gmail.com. I'm Matt Smith at rebels rogues. And I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. <laughs>